Welcome to Hawks Live every Thursday at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. right here on 710 ESPN. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. We have a great show for you guys today. We're going to talk to Rashad Penny. John Clayton's going to join the show. We'll talk that talk where me and Paul kind of square up on some issues. We'll break down film in the film room, and then we'll go around the NFL. That's the show in a nutshell. Not in that order, but we're going to get to all those points. Moyer, how you doing? I'm doing well. You know, it was, uh, was it Monday? God, we played Monday. Man, it's just, quick turnaround. That's it's quick. Uh, you know that was a tough one. You know the it, you know it's fans or whatever emotionally and you know obviously for I think Pete and the players and everything it, when, when you're struggling football team you know it, it, struggling to win games yeah. is, is more than anything. Um, you know you start looking for every reason and answers and to me it wasn't that difficult when I went back and looked at the game again uh, you know you got your backup quarterback you got to play games a certain way to give yourself a chance to win because that's the goal it's not statistics it's can we find a way to win and it could be running it throwing it could be blitzing it play soft defense doesn't matter and and we had a chance probably should have won the game but it really came down to me came down to special teams and that their their rookie kicker out kicked our veteran kicker. I, I thought, you know, that we missed two field goals. He didn't miss one. I would have liked to have had him try to kick a 42-yarder uh, on the one that we jumped off sides on instead. And uh, field position. I mean, we just couldn't turn the switch on field position. And there was one time we kicked the ball into the end zone. And, you know, our punter's awesome. You know, he's, he's one of the very best at kicking the ball inside the 20. But in this particular case, Michael didn't kick it uh, the way he normally does it. It bounced into the end zone. And I want to say the same drive, or the very next drive, they punted one down to our one-yard line. And, man, we just could not win that field position battle. And when you got a quarterback that's back up that you know, may not push the ball down the field and the offense not clicking the way they need to, man, those, those are the little things. And it's just the little things. That's the, the frustrating part right now is we're 2-5, and five and that's the reality. The Hawks are in a, a weird place right now. They lose three games in a row for the first time. Three home games in a row for the first time since 1992. Three home games in general since, since 1992. Three home games in a row. I was 1992. Yeah, so you remember yeah, those we days? We lost a lot. We guys like two and fourteen. I we think that were year. two and fourteen. Yeah. Not like we were <laughs> two and fourteen. The most. It was the most inept hot offense in the history of the NFL. Still is to today. Last three games, they lost by a combined 15 points. 15 points. So these guys are in these games. Uh, you mentioned. Special teams playing a huge role in this. When you're playing with your backup quarterback, when you have questions on offense and on defense, if you hold a team with 13 points, you should probably be able to bank on your kicker, who was an all-pro at one point, pro bowler, making at least two out of three. He went one for three. Jason Myers went one for three. That bit him in the butt right there. And then just the timely penalties, right? The roughing the passer on Marquise Blair. All this happened on one drive. It was Marquise Blair roughing the passer. It was Al Woods. Jumping, uh, getting off, uh, false start, offside. Excuse me, on a field goal. And there was one more. Was there one more uh, play in that? We were just talking. Well, about not it. in that. There's one where uh, uh, DJ Reed had a pass interference, but that was earlier on a third and eight. And again, I I thought that was a bad call. That that they, that one though, they ended up continuing the drive. They came up three yards short on the throw. He caught the ball, and they still call pass interference. Yeah. They end up scoring a touchdown on that drive. Every one of their points came from either a blown ref move or us in a penalty. I mean, we, we could have shut them out. If, you know, that's playing pretty perfect at that point. Bump, you're thinking of the uh, third and ten run by Kamara. There we go. On that same draft. Yep. 
three big plays on that drive. And now, before the game, we talked about the Hawks. They got to establish the run. They got to run the football. You know what they did? Run the football 28 times, but only for 90 yards. Alex Collins had 16 carries for 35 yards, and we talked to Turbo in postgame, and he brought up a good point. He goes, look, yeah, he got 16 carries, but it was like four, and then he sits for a while, then two, then he sits for a while. I think with Rashad Penny getting healthy, they were trying to find out, like, okay, what can we get out of, out of Rashad at this point? We know we, what we can get out of Alex Collins. Let's try to combine these forces and make something happen when, in hindsight, they probably are looking at him and be like, look, we should have stuck with one guy and just let him go, whether it be Rashad or Alex Collins. Give them what? Eight to ten, maybe consecutive carries? Well, we got uh, Penny on later. We can ask him, you know, how does he feel about yeah. that? Would you guys rather get the ball eight times in a row? And I know some guys it's it's about volume and they get better with, with carries. Uh, you know, I, I, I believe Carson has always been that way. You know, he gets stronger as the game goes. I think Collins is probably that way also that he needs a, a bit of a rhythm on there. But, I, you know, at the same time you're you're calling different plays, you're – Trying to keep backs fresh, you know, you want to you want to get Penny out in the open space with his speed and explosiveness. I mean, remember, there's a guy who senior year returned seven touchdowns yeah. on kickoff returns. Um, he was a guy that you know caught you know a bunch of pass. He had 600 yards, I want to say, his senior year uh, at San Diego State receiving. Um, you know, another five or six touchdowns on that on top of it. So he's dangerous. So you want to give him that opportunity for the big plays. At the same time, you're trying to Get these guys in in a rhythm. I just think it's tough. You know, anytime you lose, you start nitpicking on everything. Let's look at New Orleans. New Orleans ran the ball thirty-one times for ninety-four yards. Yeah, three point uh, three yards per carry. We ran the ball as you mentioned twenty-eight times for ninety yards, three point two yards per carry. No one's complaining about New Orleans trying to force the run or they got the W you know I mean Kamara had 20 carries for 51 yards 2.6 yards per carry they got the W as as you meant that they didn't play well we should have beat them we didn't we got to play perfect right now and you know we're going to play Jacksonville it's not going to be an easy game you know they got one win but it's not going to be an easy game they got talent out there I'm what's concerning for me going into this game is the confidence of winning we've always been so good at keeping it to the fourth quarter and having a chance to win. And as you mentioned, the last three games with Russell basically being out, two and a half of those, we've had the ball in our hand on the final drive to win the game. Mm. And to be good to great, you've got to win in the final two minutes of the first half half and the second half. I think Geno's been fine in between those two minutes. But to sh- you got to shine in that moment. Yeah, And I think he's capable. I think it's a confidence thing. It's Taking shots downfield, I would say not not to be reckless with the ball, but to take shots downfield when there's an opportunity. Take shots downfield and make the plays. We saw an 84-yard touchdown from DK Metcalf. <laughs> Impressive. Lattimore was on him. Stiff arms him, gets him to the ground. There's a play on the sideline where Lockett could have made a play, I feel like, but he doesn't make that play. Went right through his arms. Right through his arms. And you talk about late in the game, you have to perform. We've seen Geno throw an interception. We've seen him fumble the rock, and now we've seen him uh, take take a couple of sacks. So it's it's about those pressure situations, and he's a backup. He hasn't been in those situations in a while. Now, Russell Wilson will get in those situations, and we expect him to to come out and be the hero. Sometimes he doesn't, but he has so many other instances where he does. It's like we kind of overlook that. You know, Geno's been sitting around for a while, so it's tough for him to expect him to win those ball games in those situations. But man, you have no choice but to think, man, if number three was in there, 
this team might be looking a bit better going into the bye week after this game. Yeah, and I always say those aren't excuses. Those are just the reasons. I mean, look, we we don't have Russ Wilson. You don't have Chris Carson. I thought defensively we did play better. Um, you know, some people want us to play perfect in that situation. We could have shut them out if the refs hadn't. Again, to me, it's the jumping out fourth down and one. It is two, three guys. They're a whole right side moves. Yeah. How, how do you miss that? And, and again, not an excuse. You're going to get a fine. Giving you a reason the why they got you. the first down. Um, <laughs> they should have came up fourth and six. Maybe they go for it. Maybe they don't. Maybe they still get it. And, and But the third and eight pass interference, that was brutal. We've got a sack with five minutes left in the game. We're going to get the ball back probably around the 20-yard line, I'm guessing, with five minutes left. Now, whether we can score, I don't know. But we get off the field on a sack, and you know Marquise Blair, unfortunately, is called for I don't know, hitting somebody too hard or hitting a quarterback. You know how I feel about that. It sounds like this football team is not good enough to overcome some of these little mistakes, especially late in the game. There's talent on this team, but you're missing some guys. You're young in some other areas. So to set yourself up, when you say perfect football, you're we've never seen a perfect game, right? But you're talking about, look, you just can't have these little mistakes that kind of deter a drive or stop a drive or kill momentum you got to be fundamentally sound in these moments. We're not good enough. You know, we're not good enough to overcome those things. Everybody said the margin for error is really thin for the Seahawks. Until you get Russell back and everybody feels confident you're hitting on all cylinders, you're finding ways to win the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, We're getting there. And that's why the, the heat and the Twitter stuff going on right now is just obscene or crazy to me right now. All we've ever done is one. And this year, without our starting quarterback, we haven't closed the deal. And we're 2-5. and five. All right, well, let's hope they can close the deal this week against the 1-5 and five Jaguars. We will preview those guys next right here on Hawks Live. Welcome to Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. It's time to preview the Jacksonville Jaguars who are get, coming off their first win of the season. They are now 1-5. They beat the Miami Dolphins. But before that, they lost four straight. Now, before that win, Moyer, this football club lost 20 games in a row. They went 399 days without a win. They get one against the Miami Dolphins, but they, week one, they lose to the Texans. Week two, the Broncos. Week three, the Cardinals. Week four, the Bengals. Week five, the Tennessee Titans. Not a bad schedule. I mean, the Cardinals, the Bengals, the Titans are pretty good football teams. Denver, early in the season, looked like they were going to be a good football team. But uh, they just did something that the team last year couldn't do. The team last year, they won week one, and then they lost 15 games in a row. Yeah, roll that over like rollover minutes back in the day when you had to pay for your minutes on cell phones. You roll that <laughs> oh, over to, I remember to 2020. Days. Remember those days, right? After I remember we- getting a $1,200 bill once <laughs> on a, having a car phone back when they first came out uh-huh. in the 80s. Ooh, man, you got crushed back in the hey, day. Hey, but you look, you look cool talking on the phone driving oh, your car, though. If you only knew. <laughs> it was good. So now these, these Jacksonville Jaguars, man, they're not – a bad football team, especially on offense. On offense, they are the 15th-ranked team overall, averaging 356 yards a game. Rush offense, they're 10. Pass offense, they're 19. Points per game is kind of where they fall for a little bit. They are 27th. So you can't just look at this logo and say, oh, yeah, I remember these guys. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? These are guys who don't win any ball games. Yes, they don't win any ball games, but they got some weapons on offense. You got Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson. You got LaVisca Chenault. You have Marvin Jones. They have guys who can get it done, and this is the NFL, Moyer. You can't sleep on nobody. Well, not the way we're playing. 
again, normally this is a no-brainer. We're at home. You know, we beat bad teams. I mean, that's something we've always done. Um, but they're playing better. I mean, they, they should, probably should have beat Cincinnati, who's, you know, now 5-2, and two, I believe, and looking pretty good. Um, you know, Tennessee, they got, they got beat up by, you know, a lot of teams, by Arizona and Tennessee. Tennessee's obviously turned out to be pretty good. Um, but they are playing better. I mean, they won their last game against Miami. Um, that was – we got another team coming off a of bye week. I think New Orleans did the same. Yep. So they're going to be fresh and healthy. We're not completely. No, there's no gimmies for the Seahawks right now. We need to find a way to win a game, though. And things will turn. I mean, I've, I've told the story before. In 1986, we had lost four games in a row. We All of a sudden, we are five and six. And we it was a black cloud around the, the facility because we were a Super Bowl contending team. We started off five and two. Now we lost four in a row. Now it's we're five and six. And I remember Philadelphia came in, and they weren't very good. We beat them ugly. We had a ton of injuries. I mean, all of a sudden we put Kenny Easley on injury reserve, getting Jeff Bryant, you know, a couple of our big defensive guys. But we won it ugly, and then we played the next week on a short week against the Cowboys, uh, Thanksgiving Day. And I remember uh, Chuck Knox just said, you know, we're going to simplify this. Guys, we're just going to go out and play football. Mm-hmm. Man, that's all we're doing. I, we've got the players here. We're just going to go play football. And the rest is history in that we won five games in a row. We were unstoppable at the end. Our offense scored on almost every possession the last three or four games of the year. Our defense started making plays like crazy. And we finished 10-6. and six. But it started with an ugly win. And that's what we need in this one. I don't care how <laughs> how it looks. We just need an ugly win or a win. Go into the bye week. Get healthy. We'll see what happens with Russ. Uh, and, again, a lot of things change once you get a victory. Well, and Paul Hollenbaum, what, to your point, so they're playing good football, right? You talk about needing an ugly win. So the last three weeks, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they obviously won their last game. But Arizona, they lost 31-19. to But they were up 19-17 to with 121 in the third quarter. Trevor Lawrence was a bad ball, pick six. The game turns there. They were playing good in that football game. They play Cincinnati, who's five and two, leading the AFC North. They were up twenty-four, or excuse me, twenty-one to fourteen with fourteen twenty-seven in the fourth quarter. Blew a lead in that game. Then they go to Tennessee. They end up losing thirty-seven to nineteen, but they were up fourteen thirteen in the second quarter. A couple big plays. They got scored out in the second half. Then they go ahead and beat Miami. So for the last four weeks, for the last month, they've been playing okay football. So again. Do it by any means necessary. You need to find a way to win ugly because this team is confident. They're coming off a bye. So, I mean, they're playing good football right now. What he just said was Pete Carroll's motto is going to work. You can win the game in the fourth quarter against these guys. (laughs) You can be down first, second, third quarter, that fourth quarter. You can get it done. And that's the quarter that's been kind of hurting these guys, right? You have opportunities to win the ball game, and they're just not able to do it. I look at this offense, and I see James Robinson. This dude can run the rock. I mean, he's slippery. He has good feet. I look at the offensive line play. I broke down a couple of plays on film session. I mean, these guys, they're running their counters beautifully. Everyone's getting to the right spot. So I can see, to NASA's point, that um, at times they're playing really good football. They're, they're a team, uh, and I'll call them uh, Seattle Seahawks too, because they have so many former Seahawks. Yes. Coaches, players. We'll go through some of them. It's probably close to a dozen. Uh, when you pull all the coaches in there and, and personnel, I mean, it's, it's it's pretty remarkable. But this is a team, if we're going to play a team right now, 
you want to play a team that's not very good on defense, but a little bit better on offense. Mm-hmm. Because I, without Russell, our, our offense is struggling. I mean, it's it it it's. You want to have a team. They only have eight sacks. They have two interceptions. They're thirtieth in the league defensively. We're we're no longer thirty second. We're thirty first, and we are playing better. Um, I think we'll be fine. You know, have not having them score a lot of points on us. There's going to be some opportunities for us to score in this game. There are going to be some opportunities. We've got to make them. We got it. We got to make, make every catch. You mentioned earlier, you know, Tyler Lockett on that one went right through his arms. It was a really good throw by Gino, and it was, I believe that was in the first half uh, or first quarter, I'm, I think. And I, I remember missing a field goal, I think, on that drive, though. And I was thinking, wow, if we caught that ball, we'd probably kick the field goal, make it, or, or score a touchdown. There's so many of those plays going on. So I just think, look, if we're going to play a team, this is the one, a team that's struggling defensively, doing okay between the 20s. Uh, offensively, you've got a quarterback who's thrown eight interceptions. You know, he's a rookie. Uh, he's had seven touchdowns, so you probably can bait him into some throws. He's a talented guy, though. He's ran the ball for, what, 160-some yards uh, year-to-date, I think, or make it 121, so he's going to run. He's averaging over four yards per carry, so he's mobile. You know, we're going to have to play well to beat – we're going to have to play well to beat anybody Anybody, right yeah. Does this mean anything to you? Bevel, we all know Bevel. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the uh, Wyman and Bob show earlier, they crowned him – the best offensive coordinator during Pete Carroll's tenure here. Numbers don't lie. You got him as an OC. You got Shoddy as a QB and pass game coordinator. You have Nick Sorensen, who's a special team guy. He was here as well. Sanjay Law, who helped our receivers. He's over there now. Player-wise, you got Shaq Griffin. You got Carlos Hyde. You have Jacob Hollister. All right, that's, uh, I don't know, whatever. And I think you had Schneider at one point over there, too, the special team coach, uh, Brian. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's still – I don't know what there, but he was over there also. So it is amazing how many – uh, former Seahawks that they they've they've grabbed. I don't know if that means a whole lot to us. I think that certainly Bevel and Shoddy are going to be hyper focused on this. Yeah. They want they want to have a great game. Uh, I think once the game starts, it doesn't matter. They're not going to know a bunch about us statistically defensively. That's not going to help. Actually, I think it'll help us, Pete, knowing Shoddy and Bevels that you know what they yeah. like to do. Yeah. I think it's actually an advantage for the Seahawks going into this game. Hey, whatever advantage we can get, I will take it. Okay, when we return, we're going to talk to running back Rashad Penny. That's next on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live every Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. right here. You'll hear me and my guy, Paul Moyer. And now we get to speak to running back Rashad Penny. Rashad, what's good, man? Hey, how you doing? Hey, we good, man. First, I want to show you some Cali love. You're from Norwalk. I'm from Culver City, just west of you. Mm-hmm. Paul Moyer is from the OC. So it's a Cali connection here, man. It's all love. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Hey, man, so you've battled some injuries since you've been in the league. You know, and at San Diego State, I don't think you had an injury. But you fought back to get back on the field, man. How good was it to be out there with your boys last week? Um, you know, definitely, a, you know, a blessing. I mean, you know, go out there and take the field. You know, guys, you've been around for so long, and you know, also meeting new guys. I mean, but you know, it was just, it was just fun. It was a blessing. I mean, and you know, I just wanted to stay that way. I feel you, man. I, you know, I had a couple injuries in my day, and when I got on the football field, it was kind of hard to trust my body. You know, I had a, a fifth mm-hmm. metatarsal break in my foot, so I couldn't put my left foot in the ground the way that I wanted to. Have you experienced any of that? Mm-hmm. And if so, where do you go mentally to kind of overcome that? Well, you know, I, you know, every I think every session, you know, that I had, 
you know, as far as rehab, I had guys tell me, you know, you know, you fine, you know, you 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 uh, you know, your leg is uh, stronger than it's ever been. So I mean, I really never had a problem mentally as far as like you know, um, the whole aspect of putting my foot in the ground. Like, you know, I think Dr. Elatros and you know the guys in LA done an amazing job just to, you know, to repair my knee and you know make sure that. I can come back and play football at a high level. And then, you know, coming out here to Seattle to work with, you know, the training staff, it made things even much better. So, you know, uh, you know, you just got to be grateful and thankful for the people that, you know, put in so much time to work with you. So, and that's what I am. You know, Rashad, when you <clears throat> maybe compare your senior year, just physically where you were speed-wise, side-wise, mm-hmm. And then where you are now, because one thing that's interesting, when you, you, I look at your statistics in the NFL, I mean, you're averaging 5.1 yards per carry through your career. I mean, it's really just about being on the field for you. But just now take us through the injuries. Compare 17 when you were coming out of uh, college to where you are today physically. Well, the crazy thing is, personally, I think I'm, I'm, I'm way more developed back than what I have been, you know, in the past. I think I'm um, – I think I just, I just think knowing ball now, I mean, you know, San Diego State, you know, I had a great run there. But, I mean, now I just think I'm a natural running back and I know the game now. But, you know, the injuries played a big role. And it's, it's crazy to me because, you know, I say injuries and I only really had one major one, you know. And, you know, of course I missed time with strains. But, um, you know, that knee surgery really set me back as far as, you know, just my whole body. So I had to refocus this off season and, you know, just know my body again. I think I'm in the best shape that I've ever been in, you know. Um, definitely a little rusty as far as, you know, um, you know, making cuts. But, you know, that's no excuse because, I mean, I feel great. You know, I've just got to get back to the game flow. And once I get back to that, I think I can get back to the form I was before I got hurt. So talk about that. The one thing that we've noticed is sometimes, you know, Alex is out there, you're out there for a couple of snaps. What do you prefer? Are you a guy that needs 20 carries? Do you need it, you know, eight, ten snaps in a row, or are you okay alternating? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, that's what the point I'm at. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with whatever. I'm just trying to help, you know, uh, win games right now and, you know, just keep doing the right thing and progressing every week, you know, um, being patient. That's one thing that I've done, you know, at San Diego state for three years, I was very patient. I mean, I had the all time leader rusher in front of me. So, you know, uh, it was fine with me until I get a real, um, the real opportunity. And, you know, I'm just, just playing a role and, you know, just waiting. But I think the whole thing is just winning ball games right now. I feel that. All about the W. Now, tell me about this running back room, man. It's been a fierce competition. I feel like the media, I guess I'm part of the media, but I, I don't try to pin you guys against each other. But, you know, there's a lot of competition. You got Chris Carson, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, Alex Collins. What's it like in that running back room, and are you guys a close group? I think, yeah, well, I think we're definitely the closest, closest group on the team. You know, Chris is obviously like the big brother. You know, he's older, and, you know, he – uh you know, he, he he's, he's the guy, and, um, you know, it's just the rest of us. So, I mean, I think we're the closest group on the team as far as, like, really knowing each other and, you know, just always having conversations. I think uh, I think we really have a special group. We got a lot of guys that can do a lot of certain things, you know, and uh, we all got different run styles, so I think that's the cool thing. So, like, when we watch each other, we always be like, man, that's cool. 
like like AC Dane, that's a good move. Or Travis, like Dane, you got fast right here. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's cool. And then adding Josh in there, you know, Josh is you know a key role too. You know, even though you know he, he probably don't get as much credit, but Josh is a really great running back. And you know, I can't wait to see him run one day. So you know, we all got different elements to our game, and you know, we pretty it's pretty cool when we all get together. And you know, we we talk you know outside of ball as well. So I mean. You know, it's a really good connected group. You got a, an older brother playing football, also Elijah with the Giants. Uh, t- talk about that relationship. I mean, two two running backs in the same family in the NFL—that's pretty rare. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Elijah, man. You know, my brother—he's always been a hard worker. You know, he, he always worked harder than the next man, and you know, he's been doing that since we've been kids. You know, and growing up, not playing football and playing like ten years of baseball—you know—it's kind of crazy for us. So. You know, when he started, my oldest brother, Robert, which he started playing football first, and then Elijah followed, and then after that, I followed them. So, I mean, we all started playing ball in high school. So, ever since in high school, I watched Elijah play, and, you know, it's always just been like a chip on his shoulder, and, you know, him going to, you know, uh, Fresno, and then going back to um, Idaho, I mean, Cerritos, and then Idaho. You know, I watched him his whole life, and, you know, he's just always, I've always appreciated him. And, you know, I always looked up to him as, you know, the guy he is today. So, you know, I think he's doing amazing in New York. And I'm actually really excited, like, literally watching every chance I get, you know, to see what he's doing. And, you know, it's always a family competition when you got four boys, you know. So I think it's pretty cool. You mentioned having a chip on your shoulder. I feel like that's the mindset of this football team right now. You guys are 2-5, and five, lost three games for the first time since 2011. What's the mindset? What's your approach to this week? How do you guys get right in? and uh, get back to your winning ways against the Jacks? Um, this is one week at a time, you know, really no panic. You know, I think it's just, you know, just one of them, just one of them times right now, but there's really no panic. I mean, just one game at a time and just, you know, just go out there and compete, just, just stack wins on wins. And, um, you know, I think, I think uh, we're definitely confident in what we can do, you know. You know, it's a long season. Still got 10 games left. You know, you, I, I know – People have seen it before as far as teams going on a 10-game winning streak, you know, or anything. But we just take it one week at a time, and, you know, the outcome will, the outcome will show. Let's, uh, let's switch a little bit from football. When you're uh, not playing football or at the facility, what do you uh, like to do to keep you busy away from football? <laughs> I don't think there's a lot to do. Oh, like as far as being away, like off days? Yeah, just yeah, just any time you're away from the the VMAC and just your 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 free time. What do you uh, what do you enjoy doing? Uh, I mean, I'm a gamer, so I play a lot of video games. You know, I usually occupy myself with that, or you know, or either watching basketball. Always just keeping myself involved in you know, uh, sports. You know, a big movie person. So yeah. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna one more on top of that. What's the one thing nobody knows about Rashad Penny? Man, the one thing nobody knows. That's a hard question. I feel like every everybody knows everything about me. <laughs> you know? With social media nowadays, everybody probably does. But man, for real, I mean, but you know, uh, I mean, I don't know, but I definitely like to read. I read a lot of books. I don't think a lot of people know that about me, but yeah, I usually start. I started reading a lot of books um, like a few years ago when I tore my ACL. So I've been doing a lot of uh, 
um, reading, and I'm reading a book actually called Master Your Mindset by uh, by Colin Henderson. I mean, that's one thing I'm doing, you know, just just always trying to stay motivated, you know, for myself. So, Love Colin it. Colin Love Henderson, it. we actually went to Wazoo. Colin Henderson, he's a cool, he's a good Look dude. Look at you. Yeah. Hey, hey, last one, Rashad, before we uh, get you out of here. I assume you're a Laker fan, right? Yeah, most definitely. All right, man. What do you think about the 35 and up club we got for the Lakers? Are we we gonna figure this thing out or what? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's early. You know, just like <laughs> the Seahawks, it's early right now. It's early right now. You can't can't judge. You can't judge a team. You know, five games in. You know, they show they show, they show what they can do, and then, you know they have the ups and downs. Last night I was really upset, you know, with the outcome, but it's early, so I'm not really worried about it. All right, you heard it from Penny. It's early, man. Hey, you have a good week. You guys go get it done this weekend. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, man, have a good night. That was nice. All right, that was Rashad Penny. Man, I, you know what? I'm going to go out and say he's going to have two big runs this weekend. Two big runs, one of 10-plus, one of 15-plus. Is it because he was on our show or because of how he showed his confidence on the show? Both. Yeah, I was I was impressive. I, I just I really liked listening to him. And, you know, look, he, he's taken some – some adversity and, and, you know, social media nowadays. Yep. But I, I need everybody to re- remember this. There's a reason why we draft him when we did. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the man was unbelievable in college. He can run. He's averaging 5.1 yards per carry in his NFL career. We just got to keep him on the field. Yep. And, I mean, that's, that's the big one because the, the talent is there. Yep, it is there. Okay, you know who's going to be here when we return? John Clayton, the professor, joins us next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live is 745. You know what we got to do. We got to holler at JC, John Clayton, the professor. John, what up? What's going on? You know, we're sitting here enjoying some Thursday night football, man. The Green Bay Packers up 17 to 14. I did not expect that. I thought the Cardinals would kind of run away with this, but uh, I guess you can't can't doubt Aaron Rodgers, huh? No, I, you can't. Well, it's not a matter of just Aaron Rodgers. It's a matter that the Packers are playing up to a higher level. The defense has done an amazing job of trying to contain Kyler Murray. Sure, they gave up the uh, long pass to uh, Hopkins, but uh, then Hopkins ends up getting his hamstring re-injured, and he misses a good portion pretty much all the way to the third quarter to come back, and so he hasn't been the same. Kyler Murray hasn't been as consistent getting the ball, and uh, then you, know, you look overall, and you see the Packers are running the ball well. The fact that their defense is putting pressure on Kyler Murray, I mean, they've done an amazing job, and if they can pull this one off, that's a great win, as many players as they're down. I mean, they're down their top three wide receivers. I mean, they're down two starters on the offensive line, and nevertheless, they're out there battling and have the lead. Yeah, John, I, going into this game, I was thinking, okay, if the Cardinals can pull this one off, then I've already believed in their talent, but they would be solidified. You beat Aaron Rodgers on prime. Is this is Thursday considered primetime football? Yeah, it's oh, primetime yeah, it football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you beat them on primetime, you're good to go. But let's shift over to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, do you think Ethan Posey will replace Kyle Fuller at center this week? Kyle has this struggled week, a bit. No, they're, they're, they'll alternate, but I think what will end up happening is that uh, whether it's going to be a game or the Green Bay game, is going to be best man wins. And it's kind of like the Trey Brown situation with Sidney Jones and all that. It's like, okay, let's alternate them until we figure out who is the better player. And then once we figure out who the better player is at that time of the season, then that guy will start. So Ethan has missed missed so much time that I think you just can't just automatically give him the job. That's why 
he's going to rotate in there. But if his rotation is going to be better than Kyle Fuller, and you think there's a chance there might be, then by Green Bay, he could get the start. You know, one uh, player that's it's a bit of a concern, particularly when we start dealing with concussions, that's Dwayne Eskridge. What, what's the latest? What's going on there? I know he's gone to mm-hmm. a couple places uh, for some specialists. Yeah, he went down to Florida, and he went to a specialist, you know, both to see how his concussions and also his eyes, because apparently his eyes were giving him problems. And, of course, I guess that uh, things kind of cleared up with his eyes and the concussions, you know, the other day. So he flew back on Wednesday, and so he's back here in town. And so, uh, you know, he's going to practice, I think, a little bit, but I doubt very much that he's going to be able to play this week. But I think what you're looking at, and they seem to be encouraged from what they see, he may be available for the Green Bay game. John, there's a lot of familiarity between these two teams. You got Bevel as the OC. You yep. have Shadi as the, the passing game coordinator. You got Griffin. You got Hollister. You got Carlos Hyde. Who has the advantage or disadvantage in this situation? Well, I mean, Seattle, because they're a better team. I mean, Jacksonville is one of the worst teams in football. I know Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network you know, came out and said he thinks with Russell Wilson down that the uh, Jaguars have better talent. And they say, poo-poo on that thought. It's like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, because I was just looking at it. And, uh, like, for example, here's a Jaguars team that has nothing other than you know, Shaquille Griffin on defense. That's all they really have. Okay, and so it's like uh, nothing on defense. And so say what you want about Seattle. I know the defense has been off and on and sometimes terrible this year, but at least they have some talent. The uh, Jaguars don't have any talent on defense. And so, you know, you take that into account and that should be at least better for Geno Smith, better for the running game, better for the offensive line. And, uh, you know, and certainly, I mean, there's a familiarity, but again, you know, Carlos Hyde's a backup. I mean, you know, Bevel and uh, Brian Schottenheimer, they're working with some pretty good, couple good players because Trevor Lawrence is really talented. But you look at their receiving core, there's not a lot left there because, you know, DJ Chalk has been, uh, you know, knocked off for the season. And, uh, you know, they have, you know, uh, only one really good wide receiver and they're shaky at the tight end position. So in the end, I mean, there's a big advantage for Seattle that they should be able to win reasonably easy. But then, like anything else, as we're seeing, nothing is reasonably easy in the National Football League. John, Nathan, I mean, Marquise Blair's he's out. I mean, it's, it's just, again, crushing, yeah. uh, a weird injury. Any roster moves uh, for the Seahawks on that one? Hmm, they might because, again, Tuesday's a trade deadline. But, you know, I think that, uh, you know, maybe they find a way to get another safety or two but or another slot cornerback or whatever. Uh, I think they're happy with Ugo Amadi. You know, that seems to be encouraging. Certainly Ryan Neal. I think, you know, what it comes down to, I think Ryan Neal, you know, present anything big from happening because, you know, he's only been out there you know, when he goes seven defensive backs, and that's only like, you know, maybe 14, 15 plays a game. And so, you know, the times that he's out there, he plays really well. So I think that, uh, you know, he needs more playing time too. So I don't think there's any big moves coming up at the safety position. Speaking of a trade deadline, again, this is another weird one to me. Is there any chance Deshaun Watson gets traded before the trade deadline? I doubt it. I mean, it can happen. It sounds like Houston and Miami have reached somewhat of a draft choice settlement. But if Miami holds to what they want for uh, Deshaun Watson to settle his 22 lawsuits uh, between now and Tuesday, there's no way that's going to happen. I mean, it's like it's 22 lawsuits. I mean, even let's put it this way. Let's let's say that he puts a uh, a solid offer of big money to all 22. There's not even enough time to sign the paperwork. Hey, John, Mike Tomlin said, you know what? 
don't ask me any more questions about the USC job. Made it clear. Do you think schools like USC and LSU will be able to lure a NFL coach to the college ranks, or do you think that they need to just develop a guy within or promote a guy who's already in well, the college can, level? They can develop a guy, but the problem is it's not going to be one of the good guys in the league. You know, it's going to be somebody that's on the verge of getting fired or somebody who gets fired more than anything else because you're not going to see the Andy Reid, Sean Paytons, Bill Belichick's, uh, Mike Tomlins and guys like that, you know, leave for a job at USC, you know, knowing that, you know, they're all making over eight, nine million dollars a year and they're not going to get that kind of money from USC. I mean, USC is going to be lucky to pay two or three million, you know, so, I mean, uh, they can certainly, if they want to dig deeper in their pocket, but they're still going to come out for half the price of what you get as an NFL head coach. And if you're an NFL head coach with established successes, I mean, you're not going to go to college with the transfer portal, with all the issues right now with sponsorships, you know, the recruiting issues, those, those different things. It's too much of a headache. And again, it's like, it's easier to sit here in the national football league, you know, winning and doing the best job you can. Yeah, I I thought that was kind of crazy. People would even throw out uh, Tomlin on that. So let me let me get this right. I can make less money, pay higher taxes by mm-hmm. going to California. I got to <laughs> deal with young kids who want to make uh, transfer all that stuff. I I just I don't see that. Yeah, you, you think about it in college. It's like okay, so I mean, obviously the Steelers are getting criticized for staying with Ben Roethlisberger, right? And again, they should have because that's their only chance of winning this year. And we'll see where it goes next year because I think this is his last year and they'll have to find a replacement for him. But it's like, you know, if you're Mike Tomlin and you go to USC and let's say that you you recruit two or three good quarterbacks, two of them are going to leave in a year or two if they're not starting. John, it's that time. What's on your mind, Professor? You know, I've been looking at this and I don't have the exact number today. I know I had it last week, but kickers. And I know this irritates Dave Wyman because he's not big on kickers. Paul, you're probably not big on kickers either. Mm. You're a little bit more amenable than Dave Wyman is. But I counted up. There's like been about 16 changes in kickers this year, either because of bad performances or injury. Half the league has changed. And I know that Jason Myers has taken the criticism for his three missed extra uh, his three missed extra field goals, his mixed extra points. But I mean you look around the league and it's not like the percentages are that much worse. But again, what's happening is there's such a turnover right now with the with the kicker position. I've never seen anything like this. So what you're saying, John, is all you kids out there listening, learn to kick a football. Yeah. You might have a job here pretty yeah. soon. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like uh, just learn how to kick because if you can do it, I mean, you can get an opportunity. Look at all the people getting opportunities. If you have 16 changes, 16-plus players have now got more chances to get in there and kick. Boom. You heard it first, kids. Kick the ball, John. Or snap it. Or snap it. Appreciate snap you, man. It. Thanks, John. Thank you. All right, have a good one. Okay, when we return, okay, we will thanks. talk that talk. Is Russell Wilson irreplaceable? How much will Shane Waldron grow this year? And will a 10-win team make the playoffs? Me and Moira will talk about that next on Hawks Live. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Time to talk that talk. Whatever you say, Moyer, say with your chest. Okay? You want me to start or you want to start? Well, why don't you ask the question and then... Oh, yeah, that's... All right. Do you want me to ask the question, the first question, or do you want to? Yeah, we talked about that in the break. <laughs> okay. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Stick to the script, Bob, is what he's saying. Stick to the script. All right, here's my question for you, Moyer. Russell Wilson is the most irreplaceable quarterback in the NFL. So, in other words, by the definition, he is the most viable player to his football team across the league. He is. 
Uh, a couple of reasons why. One, we're finding out right now what it's like without him. But I think the biggest reason why is it's what he does in the final two minutes of the half and at the end of the game. And it's the way our philosophy is in a game. We don't blow a lot of teams out. You know, we're not taking those chances uh, along the way where maybe a backup quarterback could come in and, and do some things as well. So you've got to have a quarterback who can close the deal on this team. And Russell's the best in the business. He's proven that. Uh, look, there's Aaron Rodgers. There's Tom Brady. You lose your starting stud quarterback, they're all going to take a hit. But I b- truly believe there's no more important person at quarterback for a team than Russell Wilson to the Seattle Seahawks. I feel what you're saying, but I'm going to go with the obvious. I'm going to say no, it's Tom Brady. And I'm going to say no because of who's behind him. Blaine Gabbert, Ryan Griffin, Kyle Trask. If Tom Brady goes out, even with all the weapons that they have on offense, I don't see this team doing what they're doing. Tom Brady's 21 touchdowns, three interceptions, 2,200 yards. I mean, this guy is doing it all at his age. I think if you put any other quarterback in there, any other backup, they don't even have the chance at the end of the game to win like the Hawks have had. Uh, yeah, I'd push back on that. Do you think their roster's better than the Seahawks roster? That's a good question. Let me look at it real quick. All right, so when we talk about these stats, let's go start at the running back position. Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. I'll take Chris Carson over both those guys. Well, Chris, a healthy Chris, Chris Carson. Right now, but I'll okay. take him. Healthy Chris Carson. All right. I take him. All right. You got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. That's a nice one-two punch right there. I think that one-two punch is just as good as the Seahawks one-two punch. Defensively, Devin White. Really good linebacker. Mm. Levante David, another really good linebacker. You know what? <sighs> I'd probably take their roster. Well, let me look at their Because, of defense. because of defense. They're ranked ninth defensively right now. They're ranked number one at rushing yards a game. They're number three in rushing yards average. Offensively, they're ranked number two in the league. They're number six when it comes to total yards passing. They're seven. Sorry, I'm going to get my rushing average. Rushing average, they're, they're 17, uh, n- nothing great. Still a little bit higher than, than ours, I believe, or right around the same. I, I just think they have a better nucleus. I think if you put a serviceable quarterback there, um, they they haven't had to – They all the free agents that they came from a losing team yeah. and picks, they're just in a better position to win with, I don't think, a great quarterback. The Seahawks – remember, we haven't had a losing record in 10 years. We haven't drafted – in the top 15. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have the same type of team as others do. So that's my point. Russell is winning. He can win with any team. You know what I say to that argument? 1 hmm. 0 Moyer. Oh, you I got that. that one. I'll give you that one. That's the first time you've ever done that. Hey, you did it once. I did it once. Now we're <laughs> even. <laughs> All right. Well, if the Seahawks 2 and 5, and we now have a 17 game schedule, will a 10 win team? make the playoffs in 2021 because it almost always does in the past. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I think we've seen nine win teams make it with the 16-game schedule. I don't know the numbers. I haven't looked across the league and say, well, this team is here. And if you, according to my calculations, if through this week, more, I don't do those things, okay? I'm just going to keep the simple math and say, okay, at a 16-game, uh, a nine-win team got in. 17 means, of course, a 10-win team's going to get in. Your thoughts? I don't think so this year. No. 
because uh, it is. It's a bit like a nine-win team, and it, it happens. Um, there's at times there's eight-win teams, but it's usually from a division, not a wild-card team. I'm just looking right now at what we have. In fact, let me, let me pull up the actual playoff piece where the Seahawks are. The Seahawks, well, forget the Seahawks. I would just say 10 wins. Right now, New Orleans is at four and two. They're the sixth spot in the, the, the that playoff deal. You also got Minnesota three and three. Atlanta three and uh, three. It's tight. Ten wins could do it, but you got the Rams who are six and one. Cowboys five and one. Green Bay six and one. Tampa Bay six and one. Arizona seven and zero. Oh. That looks like they're going to go probably to seven and one. Green Bay is going to go to seven and one. Tampa Bay is going to probably win. They're going to go to seven and one. I still think it's going to take 11 wins, which means the Seahawks can win, lose one more game. One more game. That's why this week's critical. We got the bye week. I'm looking what's out there. We're going to have to go crazy. Got to play and, Arizona twice. Now, in your case, they could lose twice. Yeah. That's it. That's it. We're going to have to go on a run no matter what. Let's go. Hold on a minute. I'm telling you guys, you guys are both wrong because a 9-8 <laughs> and eight team will make the playoffs. No. It's the haves and the haves-nots. I'm telling you. All right, after the top six with that seven seed, the Minnesota is a seven seed right now, and they're three and three. I'm telling you, I think it's not crazy to think a nine and eight team makes the playoffs in the NFC. We will revisit this in week 17. If a nine and eight team does not make the playoffs, the, it's been deleted. Drinks on ass if, if a nine and eight team doesn't it makes make a good it. point. Uh, the have and have not. There's a lot of one loss teams in the NFC. And uh-huh. he's right. I mean, if we had a one last week, we'd have been one game back in the playoff hunt. Now we're two. It's going to be tough for us. I think that it's 10 you've wins been, is you've doable. You've been persuaded. You've been persuaded. By I still think it's going to be 11, Chelsea. but NASA made me question myself. Okay. All right. My question to you Shane Waldron will be a better coach at the end of the year. Because Russell Wilson was injured, I think the answer is yes to that, and and partly is the pressure for him right now without Russell, and you know to make the right calls and working with Pete on finding ways to win. This again, all I ever hear is statistics. Well, we got to run the ball more. We got to throw the ball more. I didn't like that call. I didn't like this call. Shane, okay, to me it's a, a joke. You don't go in the game thinking, how can we find a, a way to get 400 yards of total offense? Maybe we got to find a way to get to 20 points or 17. Our defense can shut these guys down. We can't turn the ball over. We got to make sure that we play some field position and punt. All everybody else sees is, oh, here we go. We're punting again. Well, you know what? That may be the best way at times to win a game. Yeah. So. I think he's going to be better for going through this adversity, and then he gets Russell back. I just hope we start hitting on all cylinders. We talked about Penny. You know, I I hope he busts one for sixty yards and twenty yards, and all of a sudden his chest starts to to pop up. So, um, so I say, I say yes. You say yes. I say, of course he is. You you should get better during hard times. You're working with a different caliber type of quarterback. It's forcing you to be more creative or more thoughtful when it comes to your play calling. You don't have your running back as well. I know we're focusing on Russell Wilson, but you also don't have your starting running back. I mean, the game is harder, so you have to adjust as a coach. What did Pete Carroll say? Man, I've been here for a long time because I've had Russell for a long time. If Pete Carroll doesn't have, doesn't have Russell Wilson, he's probably not here 10 years. So with Shane Waldron not having the best quarterback in franchise history, 
Yeah, would you agree to that, Moyer? Yeah. Best quarterback in franchise history? Oh, yeah. Of course he's going to he's gonna be better because he's had to adjust his play calling. He wasn't going into the season thinking the guy who played 100 and what, 40-something consecutive games, Nass? Yeah, it was a lot. I think it's I think it's more than that. I think it's 145 at least. Let me yeah. look it up. So, of course, he didn't go into the season thinking he wasn't going to have that guy, so he's had to adjust. Waldron will be a better coach because of this. All right? And by the way, every head coach other than one that I know of would have been fired a long time ago. Bill <laughs> Belichick would have been fired a long time ago if no Tom Brady. I, you, the list goes on. Now, there's only one qu- head coach, and it's Joe Gibbs, who won with three different quarterbacks. Mm. And I don't know if any of them are – I don't think any of them are in the Hall of Fame. That is impressive. Everybody else has had that from Bill Walsh to Pittsburgh's dynasty run to the Cowboys. They've all had that great Hall of Fame quarterback. There you go. 149 games consecutive is what Russell Wilson played in. Okay, when we return, we'll go inside the film room. Geno Smith, 84-yard touchdown to DK. You got Jordan Brooks saving a touchdown, and Jameis Winston doing what he does, finding Alva Kamara. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, we all the way live on Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. Thanks for joining us. It's time to go inside the film room. Moyer and I watch a lot of film. I, I man, After coaching and playing, I mean, the eye in the sky never lies for the most part, unless you just don't know what you're looking at. And sometimes we just don't know what these guys are doing on offense or on defense because we're not in the, in the coaching room with them. We can only go off of our experiences. But I like to say better, more than not, we're right. Well, I, we make assumptions. I mean, there's times where I, I look at a defense and I go, are they playing zone there and man there? And that's possible. But it looks sometimes like maybe someone's dropped something. Yeah. No, we're right. We are. <laughs> okay. We're always right. Always right. All right, the first play we're going to dissect. Geno Smith finds DK Metcalf for an 84-yard touchdown. Play fake. This time he's going to let it fly downfield. Reaching up, making the catch. It's Metcalf. He could go. 40, 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Seahawks. 84 yards. The defender fell down. And Geno Smith threw a shot. To number 14 down the right sidelines. He jumps, makes the catch. Nobody is near him. And he was off to the races like the Olympic sprint trials. He's downfield beating Lattimore for six. The Seattle Seahawks on top, 6 nothing. Now, I think Gino knew where he was going the whole time. He goes, look, man, that looks like man coverage on the outside to my boy DK. Um, the safety started at kind of a too high look. They rotate. Safety comes down. Other safety rolls to the middle of the field. Looks like the second level, they're sharing the backer. So if Alex Collins were to go to the right, one guy to get him, they go to the left. Other guy would get him. What DK does here is he shows how strong he is, Moyer, because the release isn't great, right? He gets an outside release, but Lattimore gets his hands on him, and DK even stumbles a little bit about three or four steps into his route. He's just running a goal route. What's good about this is that he goes wide and stays away from the safety. Now, Lattimore is doing what most corners do. They're pulling at your jersey. They're pulling at your hands. They're trying to get you to chicken fight. My coach used to say, don't chicken fight with him. That's what they want. So Lattimore is trying to chicken fight with him, get his hands active. He's actually pulling on DK Metcalf, and Metcalf just yanks his arm away. And in real time, it looked like DK stiff-armed the man to the ground. And I'm like, I don't know how he got away with that. But that's not true. When you get closer, you see Lattimore's pulling on him. DK yanks his arm away, and now Geno Smith just fires a dart. I mean, it's in the perfect position. All DK has to do is turn his hands over, and he's there. Now the safety takes a horrible angle, 
DK gives him just a, a little bit of hezzy, doop, doop, sideline. And now once he gets past you, not too many guys are catching this guy. So one, good body control by DK. And two, Gino, way to just take a shot. Because before this game, we're saying, look, Gino, need to take a couple shots down the field, need explosive plays. After this play, man, I thought, okay, Hawks are, are going to get on a roll. Yeah, I thought so too. And I wish we – he did take a couple more shots. It was the next quarter uh, where he, he had uh, Tyler Lockett down the, the left sideline, and he made a great throw. He just didn't, didn't make the catch. And, and you're right on this. This is really good coverage. I mean, you know, this was a battle all day, and there's no question, you know, DK got in uh, in Latimer's head on – particularly after this play and then the very next series, that's when uh, uh, he got the, the personal fouls. But he did not pull him down. I'm uh, talking about DK. I yeah. thought the same thing. I go, wow, you know, it looked like he pulled him down. It was offensive interference. No, in Latimer, a lot of times corners will do that. They'll, they'll clamp down with their elbow and they'll clamp down on the arm. And all uh, DK did on that, he just pulled it away. And in that, this case, you know, Latimer ended up uh, falling down. It was a bad angle, as you mentioned uh, by the safety. But, look, th- the moral of the story is take more shots downfield with DK. Mm-hmm. I, if the worst thing that's going to happen is a, a incomplete, but the best thing is a touchdown or a catch or a pass interference, we just have to take more calculated shots downfield. We have to make some easy scores. That was the only one we had all day. Yeah. That was our only touchdown. And then when you take those shots, receivers come up with the football because – this is the NFL, and we, we talked about it during the game. There wasn't a lot of space between these receivers and that Saints secondary. No. So when you have the opportunity, man, you go up and get that thing. Okay, next play. Jordan Brooks saves a touchdown on third and goal. Camaro wide on the left side. Looking inside the ball is hitting the end zone and knocked down. Jumping up to knock it down is Jordan Brooks. He was about four yards deep as Jameis Winston was looking to throw the ball behind him, and Brooks leaps and slaps it down, and here comes the field goal team on for the Saints. Yeah, it's a good thing Brooks was there. Uh, we, we talked going into this game that Jameis Winston is, wants to throw you interceptions. Mm-hmm. This is one of those. This <laughs> is such a reckless throw. He doesn't, he doesn't see anything what's going on, on the backside with the defense. Um, you know, Jamal Adams is back there as well. They're they're running a crossing route, and 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 we we do a pretty good job of exchanging positions uh, on the under underneath coverage. But Jameis just throws this one up. If 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 Brooks gets just a little more depth, if Jamal didn't slide with the crossing route that he didn't really need to initially, that's an easy pick. Yeah. And again, I used to love playing guys like Jameis because I'd bait him. I you you <laughs> think it's there, it ain't there. And, uh, you know, again, nice play by Brooks. He's got he's getting a better and better feel for zone defense. And, uh, uh, you know, again, in his second year, never really had an opportunity in college. I think he's going to be pretty good at this. Yeah, what I like about this Moyer is that there's a crossing route in front of him. He respects it. He slides to the right a bit. But then he looks at the quarterback's eyes and goes, look, he's not going there. There's something going on behind me. He just feels it. And he stops. And Jameis Winston throwing off of his back foot. This should have been one of those interceptions right here. I think if Jordan Brooks does not make this play, this is probably a touchdown. Looks like Jamal Adams is a little late reacting to that. But, yeah, so nice to be young, to react, and jump up, get off the ground quickly, pat the ball down. I mean, father time's on his side. Making plays. Yeah. Your playmakers making plays really, and we've heard this a million times, 
it, it, it helps with any type of deficiencies you may have. There's usually a bust in zones somewhere along the way, mm-hmm. unless someone makes a great play and, and bails people out. This was a great bit play by Jordan Brooks. Good play by the youngster. Okay, the last play, Jameis Winston finds Alvin Kamara for a 31-yard gain. Winston, three-step drop, looks, dumps it over the middle. Kamara on the run. He's crossing the field, down to the 40, down to the 30. And he just literally outran the defender, Ryan Neal, was trying to cover a man-to-man. Everybody else cleared out, and Kamara with a 31-yard gain. Yeah, the, the, one, the thing they heard on this is it's the final two minutes. You know, and you just can't give up chunk yards in the final two minutes. You can give up eight yards, nine yards. I mean, it's rarely enough time for you to drive all the way down. We're playing what we would call a two-man. we got two safeties deep. Uh, Everybody else is supposed to be man-to-man. Underneath looks like inside technique, inside technique. And in this case, uh, again, you know, Ryan Neal's got Kamara. That's a tough Matchup, yeah. Kamara, actually, I, I I keep saying Kamara. It's Kamara. What do I say? Do I Kamara. say Kamara? I do too. But really? it, when I looked at the guide and I heard Rabel, I said, okay, I'm saying it All wrong. Right. I guess Kamara. Okay, I'm with you. Um, he set him up. He 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 was in the backfield. And one of the things we always teach a linebacker, a nickel, anybody who's got a back out of the watch the angle route. That's where they set you up. You know, like they're going to go outside, and all of a sudden they angle it back inside. And two man, you got no help inside. You've got to use help outside, and that's the sideline. Let him go to the flat. I'm okay with that. Um, so he just gets bees. Not great technique. It's actually a perfect call versus two man. One of the concerns with two man is somebody getting beat inside on a runaway because there's no help along the way. Um, and in this case, he, he makes a big play, and they end up kicking. Uh, well, actually, they end up scoring on this drive. What's tough about this is that there are a few concepts where Kamara goes to the flat and they just dump it like they'll even fake the fake the play the run play to that side and he'll hit the flat so I'm sure Neil has seen this on film he goes okay I got to get outside I got to get outside but Jameis Winston was going nowhere else with this football he saw man everyone's just running goes he knows I got a matchup right here I'm gonna hit my guy in stride and that drive leading to the touchdown before I was a touchdown before half before half they scored I mean that's all they did Dump, dump it to the flat, anger out. Dump it to the flat, anger out. So that's a, it's a tough call or a tough ask for Ryan Neal to cover this guy. But you're right. If you're, if anything, man, collision him inside and, and make him work. That's like a free release. You give that dude a free release, man. He's gonna eat you alive. Again, sometimes you get beat by a better player, but a faster guy, quicker. I mean, two man against. I don't. Again, coaches, sorry. They didn't have any wide receivers. When you have great wide receivers outside and in the slot, you play two man. Yeah. Right? You could bump and run, force them outside to the sideline. You got a great running back, two man. I don't love it. I'd rather play what I call the old cover eleven. That's where I'm going to play him head up. And we and by the way, we did this in the second half, where now Brooks or that guy said, "Go ahead and beat me on the angle," and Bobby Wagner was waiting for him inside. Yep. And then again, if he runs across from route, you take him and I'll come into the middle and rob along the way. With this offense, I would like to see more of that because Kamara was the he's the guy. I mean, he had eight catches in the first half, only two two in the second half. They made a really good adjustment in the second half. Yep, game is all about adjustments. They did that in the second half against Kamara is his name. Thank you, Paul Moyer, for that. Okay, when we return. We will go around the NFL. ESPN personality Mina Kimes has harsh words for the Seahawks. And Mike Tomlin ain't got no time for questions regarding USC. 
All that and more next, right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumas with Paul Moyer. You have a thriller going on Thursday night football. Looks like the Green Bay Packers just sealed the deal against the Arizona Cardinals, giving them their first loft. Kyler Murray limping off the field. Not a good sight. You turn the ball over three times like the Cardinals have. You're probably not going to win that ball game. Big turnover at the end of that game, Moyer. Well, he, he the way he landed on his knee, you know, I'm worried more like a hip, you know, a, a bunch of things there. I mean, I'm hoping he's he's good. Yeah. But if he's gone, we can have the discussion again next week. Who's more valuable? Who's more valuable? Russell or, <laughs> or Kyler? I mean, he's pretty good. He made some great plays. But, wow, what a – Unbelievable interception to end that game. Yeah, great interception. Aaron Rodgers to celebrate. Okay, let's get back to some Seahawks football. ESPN personality and Seahawks super fan Mina Kimes has some harsh words to say about Pete Carroll and the Seahawks this year. She was asked if the Seahawks should move on from Pete Carroll. Here's her answer. I think that unless there's some dramatic changes, it has to be on the table. And that's hard for me to say. I think Pete Carroll is a tremendous leader, clearly beloved by his players, one of the most successful coaches in Seattle sports history, frankly. But, uh, you know, I've watched every decision he's made as the Seahawks coach, and there's been too many bad ones, too many issues with clock management. I'm talking recent years, uh, too many punts in opponents' territory, too much conservative play calling. Back that, that includes when Russell Wilson was a quarterback. And this is not a reaction to last night, but you can point to last night and say, well, Geno Smith's not a good quarterback, hence some of the decisions to run the ball. I don't care if it's Gino Ariema under center. You don't run the ball into the teeth of the Saints defense over and over and over and expect a different result. They faced 11 eight-man boxes. They ran into nine of them for one yards per carry. I think what we're seeing right now is that Russell Wilson, as Pete Carroll kind of admitted there, covered up for a lot of the issues uh, in Seattle for a long time, obviously the defense hasn't been good for a long time. And, yeah, the head coach does need to be held accountable. Strong words before you get at her, Moyer, before you get at her. Stephen Smith says, hey, pump the brakes. The last three years, he went to the playoffs three years ago with 10 wins. Went to the playoffs two years ago with 11. Went to the playoffs last year with 12. And we're looking at him and saying, well, you know what? I don't know. I mean, it might be time. I mean, wait a minute now. Well, he just took my argument. There you go. Um, so here's my issue with her argument. She said things have to change. I'd like to know what things have to change. He's the he's beloved by his players. Oh, so what needs to change? I've seen too many things where he's made bad mistakes. Wow, if he was a good coach, what would their record be? Because they haven't had a losing record in 10 years. And as Stephen A. just mentioned, I was throwing out, if you had a new head coach and he went 9-7, and seven, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 12 and 4. Are you looking to make a change the next year? No. Cuz she's saying that. She and I'm going So if he was a good coach, are we going 15 wins? I, I just the, the argument is is really strange to me and there's no question without Russell any team without their main quarterback is not going to be as good and Peter said that. Look, without Russell I'm probably not here as long. I'm probably we're not going to be as consistent winning. And he's speaking the truth. Let's right. talk about the great, great head coaches in the league the past 15 years: Mike Tomlin, mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger, yep. Belichick, Tom, Tom Brady. Brady, Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes. Like you need a quarterback to be successful. We talked before this. There's only a few teams who have done it without a really good quarterback. But what what do they what do they usually have? Great defense. A great defense. 
We talk about Brad Johnson with, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Back then, the Bucs were considered one of the best defenses of all time. Trent Dilfer with the Baltimore Ravens. Back then, that defense is still considered one of the greatest defenses of all time. So I think her argument is a response off of what she's seen for this year. You got a quarterback. Geno Smith. I mean, we'll I, get rid of Pete. I love Geno. We, we need to make change unless there's drastic change. I just want to know, well, what do you mean drastic changes? So with Russell out, be more aggressive. And and here's my probably my biggest, I don't know if it's argument's the right word, but um, you can fire Pete if you don't believe in his philosophy. You can't fire him for not being a great coach because he's a great coach. Yeah. I mean, all they've done is one. And if you're going to fire on his philosophy, all they've done is one with that philosophy. <laughs> now, I, we, you and I could push back. No, they need to throw it more. We need to give it, let Russell do more. Uh, maybe the way we draft things. That, that's a philosophy. But you cannot tell me this philosophy hasn't been wildly successful. Yeah. And, and now I, we don't have Russell, and we're learning what life is like without a guy who's made every snap for the last 10 And years. I don't mind them running the ball a lot against the Saints. What do you have? You have a backward quarterback. So you prefer that you put the, the game in a Geno Smith's hand and say, look, we're going to throw the ball 35, 40 times. You win it for us. Yes, I know you have 30 touchdowns and 37 interceptions in this league. You haven't been a starter in four or five years. But you go ahead and win this for us. I just I disagree with that. I think she sounds like a lot of the Twitter world when they just want to react, 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 react. Yeah. And, yeah, they, are they but not they, allowed to have a down year? They're down. Every team has had a down year but the Seahawks. Even Tampa Bay, when the, you know they, they've had some down years, usually when – Tom was hurt. They didn't make the playoffs. Uh, when he finally left, they didn't make the playoffs. Patriots. Patriots. Yeah. What did I say? Tampa Bay. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. New England. Um, everybody's taken a step back. Green Bay's taken a step back. Pittsburgh's taken a step back. Everybody's gone through it. We're in a salary cap world. The Seahawks have a quarterback on a one of the highest paid contracts in the league and are still finding ways to win. So I'm going to throw it back to one of her arguments I get. Something's got to change. Uh, he, he's too conservative. Okay, so you were fine running the football against New, or New Orleans. Yeah. Me too. So let's look at when we've had to put the weight of the world on Geno. And it's been the last drive against the Rams. I don't really think that was his fault, but it was an interception. We had a chance against Pittsburgh. We fumbled the football in overtime. Last week, we didn't. We got sacked three times in a row, I think. Uh, or actually, two or three times in the last drive. So when we put it on his shoulders, I don't want to go there. No. I want him to have an opportunity to be successful. Let's run it. Let's play action. Let's take some shots downfield every once in a while. It's okay to punt, particularly in you know this game coming up as well. So I, I just don't get her argument. You got to use all your weapons. And Geno's not your biggest weapon right now. He's no. not. He's a Band-Aid right now. Band-Aid, let it heal, and then once it heal, Russell Wilson's going to come back. And I'm just going to say this out to you 12s out there. Y'all are spoiled, man. Y'all are spoiled. When I played, back in my day when I played, we were 4-12, and 12, okay? Like, those are some dark years. Don't, don't forget where you've come from. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be discouraged. Man, this, they're 2-5. and five. We're not used to this. They're supposed to be Super Bowl contenders this year. I get all of that. But to say, because they're 2-5, and five, you want to get rid of the coach that changed this franchise who doesn't have – his franchise player is ridiculous to me. 
let them play play the contract out. Now, if they go two or three more seasons, two and five, and they got Russell Wilson, then you talk about it. But right now, he it's his red shirt. He, he's old one. He's well, hold on a minute. You want some more context? Let's look at the San Francisco 49ers. Since Pete mm. has been there, the 49ers have been really good, really bad, really good. It looks like they're bad again in that same time frame. The Arizona Cardinals have been bad, good, bad, and back to good. The Rams have been re- really bad. Then they got good kind of in between. So every team in the NFC West has taken a turn being good, bad, and good, and then bad again, while the Seahawks have remained consistent every single year. So how on earth can we really <laughs> say something about Pete? It just it makes no sense. Blows my mind. You know, the other thing is, if you really want to do this kind of right, it, I, I've argued this, do you want to be that team like San Francisco that maybe every five years has a chance to go to a Super Bowl and then they're sub 500. And the only way that you can really make a, ch- a run usually at Super Bowls, you got to take a step back. You know, we got to lose. We got to get some draft picks. You know, we got to get rid of some salary cap, bring some youth in. CX have never had to do that and still are Super Bowl contenders. And I still think you get Russell back. Got to win this week. Yeah. Got to get the bye. We got to get Russell back. Um, if we can find a way to get to the playoffs, I do believe we have enough talent to do it. Man, we, we have a chance to surprise a lot of people. It's just it's unfortunate we're two and five. We're just not used to it. And here's the thing. Changes need to be made. Changes are always made during the offseason. Personnel changes. There's always some coaching changes. There are some philosophy changes when he when Pete gets with his coaching staff. I think people want drastic changes right now, especially when it comes to personnel and coaching. What is that gonna do? I don't think that helps your team right now. You're in the middle of a football season. You just gotta ride this thing out. You got unfortunate circumstances. You're experimenting with DBs. Um, your linebacker core is getting is aging a little bit. You got your your franchise quarterback is out. Your starting running back is out. Like if everyone's healthy, then I don't think that this team is two and five. Uh, but I understand their frustration. It's okay to be frustrated, but let's be realistic. Pete Carroll is is supposed to be here and will be here. Yeah, if this was twenty years ago without Twitter, we're not even having this conversation. You just come off a twelve and four year at eleven, and I mean, all you've done, nine, ten, 10 11, 11, 12, 12 wins. Come You're on. not. No one's jumping on them. They're just like, hey, what are we going to do in the draft coming up? What are we going to do with free agency? And here's the other thing for all you twelves out there: we have a boatload of money for next year, mm. a boatload to go after free agents. So um, I, I'm not giving up on the season yet. Um, I won't, but. Uh, We'll, we'll see. This team has a way of making magic happen when you don't think it's going to happen. Hey, let's start this Sunday, 105 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, when we return, we'll give you our final thoughts and keys to victory right here on Hawks Live. Last segment of Hawks Live on Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. We got to look at these Jacksonville Jaguars. Moyer, like I mentioned, they're number 15 overall on offense, 10 running the ball, 19 pass offense. Defensively, it's uh, – it's the starter from the bottoms we still hear. We got the 31-ranked, 31st-ranked Seahawks and the 30th-ranked Jaguars going at it. So safe to say, whichever defense performs the best, is going to win this ball game. Yeah, I like our, I like our defense way better than theirs. Uh, I mean, they're struggling. They got Miles Jack still there, I think, and then they got um, you know Shaq Griffin over. But you know, Shaq's not a playmaker. He's a good corner. He's a good cover guy. But I'd take shots on him. He, he's not an intercept. You know, he's, he doesn't he doesn't have great ball skills uh, there. So I would take some shots there. Who's got a better quarterback? You know, they're probably even right now. Even though I think so. Lawrence, 
the upsides there. Yeah. He runs the ball pretty well, and he's he's probably more of a um, free slinger. You know, that not not as worried about interceptions. He does have eight interceptions. I think seven touchdowns. Quarterback rating seventy five. The scary part is. It's the in-between. He actually looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. It, can he score in the red zone? Does he protect the football? They can run the football, so we're going to have to shore up there. It'll be a tough game. It's probably going to come down the fourth quarter. I hate to say it. <laughs> and, you know, we need Geno to step up if that's the case. Seahawks lead the series 5-3. to three. The last time they played was in 2017. Hawks lost 30-24, to 24, but I believe, I believe that year the Jags had a good team and went to the AFC championship game. It was with Ramsey and all those boys. Blake Bortles was that quarterback, I believe, at Leonard Fournette running the football. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? And that was my first time on the uh, the postgame show was uh, was that loss. Was uh, at Jack, was that, you said it was seventeen? Yeah, twenty seventeen. Yeah, I remember that game. Um, they had a fantastic defense that year. I mean, they were young, they were fast. I remember you, know, Miles Jack, who went to Bellevue. I mean, he was getting a lot of pub at that time. They fell off the cliff. Yeah, I, that is the. And again, for all you twelves out there, <laughs> I mean, they were the young, up and coming team, and fell off the cliff. Became horrible. All the Seahawks do is they just keep winning. Well, and, again, we'll see what happens when this one's all said and done. But uh, it, it'll be a tough game. They're, 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 they've got a lot of new faces there. They've got, you know, again, eight, nine guys who are Seattle Seahawks as coaches, administration players. Um, so it'll be a fun little reunion. Uh, the Seahawks need to win this one. It's just I, I don't even want to say they're going to. They need to win They need to one. win it. And I think it starts with stopping James Robinson. He has 460 yards, five touchdowns, averaging 5.5 a carry. That is impressive. I watch this guy on film. He's slippery. I mean, he understands. He lets he lets his big boys work for him. You know, you watch running backs and they're just they're so quick to hit it. It was like, look, man, we got a, we got a GT pull right here, buddy. <laughs> you got to let these big boys get in front of you and let them do their job. And I see this guy. This is second year in the league. Last year, he rushed for over a thousand yards. He's patient and he knows when to hit it when it's time to go. Then on the outside. You got Marvin Jones out of Cal, big yeah. play receiver. You have LaVisca Sinault, who was a good kid out of Colorado. There are some weapons there. The Hawks have done a good job keeping things in front of them the last two games. I think that's going to be important this week. Yeah, I mean, Marvin Jones, I mean, I thought he was, well, hi- historically more of a possession guy um, along the way. So I got my my other ones here. I'm going to pull that up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I – Penny averages 5.1 yards in his career. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm hoping this is the week. These, he feels healthy. We had him on earlier. He feels confident. I think he feels comfortable in where he is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been about injuries. It's never, it's never been about talent. The guys had a lot of success. Um, so, you know, again, they got some guys, you know, but we, we got some guys too. It's just time for us to play a game where our biggest players really dominate i'm i need i need bobby wagner to really go play like the new England, the new orleans linebacker last week davis i mean just take over a game in the fourth quarter i need jamal adams to take over a game you're big i need dk to take over tyler lockett's been quiet the last mm-hmm. two or three weeks two receptions last game yeah that's you know I, look we're gonna have to take some shots i'm i'm okay with if you if if people do what New Orleans does, and that was they they clamped down on all of our short stuff and said we're, we're going to play over the top at times, either single safety or sometimes cover two, we got to find a way still to take that ball vertical. You know, if they're going to take away the short stuff, then go over the top of it, and that's okay to punt. You know who's been shining though, man, Quandre Diggs. 
Yeah, I mean, really he, he's flying downhill, making tackles. He plays with that speed and intensity that we hoped that that second level would and other guys would as well. So if they have, they want to follow anybody, follow Quandre, yes. man. He's been the most consistent player probably on this team all season. We're not calling his name because of a busted play or not. He's he, he's been solid. He's he's like him. He's like the lineman of the defense. Like he just does his job and no one really says anything about him. You know, Sunday we this one's weird because we don't really have a halfway point to the season anymore um, because of the odd game of seventeen. But we usually have our you know MVPs you know going into the bye week, and this will be kind of like the halfway the old one. I, I Quandre Diggs was, is no question my MVP on defense. Yeah, he's been the most consistent. I mean, what he did to Camara, the way he tackled him in the open field when no one could, that was really impressive. Offense MVP. Oh, I, I probably DK. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyler started off so early. I mean, I, he was running away with the yards and touchdowns. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's got to be DK at this point. I mean, is there anybody else? No, nah, I would say DK, and then special teams. I go Belor. Yeah, belor has been so. Yeah, belor has been doing his thing. Yeah, it, yeah God, special team. Look, kickers. We 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 need con- a little more consistency out of both of them too. Uh, special teams is critical. Field, mm, position, field position is critical. We cannot start the ball inside the ten yard line. And we've got to pin them inside the 10. Yeah, give Gino a short fill. I'm yeah. not sure how many short fills he has to do it. I think they had one last week, They uh, but they ended up not getting any yards and just got a field goal out of it. I think if you give Gino 50 to 60 yards to play with, uh, you're going to – his success rate should go up. Yeah, last week um, I, I pulled this up. They, they were about six yards better in their starting field position. And I'm going to grab this. This is really good radio as I do this. Um, we started on our own 24-yard line. They started on their 30-yard line. Mm-hmm. And, and, again, some of those, again, I'd like to see more the median than the, where the average is. Some of those when we start inside the 10-yard line, 15. We had the one where it was an 84-yard you know, touchdown. It yeah. was really about the 15-yard line, but they move it up uh, to round it up to the 16, I guess. Uh, you know, we made a big play there, but, no, we're just not built to go 10 plays, 90 yards. It's just not our offense. Big plays. We need big plays, man. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. Special thanks to Rashad Penny and John Clayton for joining the show. Our board operator, DJ Wilder, and our executive producer, Nasa Chobie. The Seahawks pregame show was live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumbles with Paul Murray. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.